Welcome to another episode of Teaching Startups to Fish, Sales, Scale, and Startups. Today, I'm going to be talking to someone who's a little bit different than the other guests that we've had on. Alex Opacic is a recruiter that specializes in putting athletes into sales roles. He's also an ex-professional basketball player, which we're going to touch on a little bit as well. I'd love to welcome you on, Alex. Welcome to the pod. Thank you, Mladen. I appreciate it, mate. Very excited for this conversation. So yeah, looking forward to, to dig deep here. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Now, quick intro. Tell me, who are you and what have you done in the world of sales? Perfect. So yeah, my name is Alex Opatrich. You mentioned former professional basketball player. I played till I was about 24, 25, college in the US and also professionally in Europe semi-professionally here in Australia also then I after struggling to figure out what's next with my life after retirement from basketball due to three knee surgeries I took some time off to yeah really figure out what I want to do but eventually I landed in sales and I worked in media sales for roughly about eight years and then two years in in tech sales and mate I, I absolutely loved it it just catered to that competitive nature that I had in in sport, the adrenaline rush, the constant chase for something, because sport is all about chasing wins and the game on the weekend and getting better. And I found sales to be very much similar. So I had a, I'd say a decent career in, in, in sales. And in my network, I just noticed a lot of other athletes who were quite good at sales, who were exceptional actually. Yeah. <laughs> And did you, so did you grow up in, in Australia and then you moved to the US? Yeah. So, so I, I was born in Croatia, ex-Yugoslavia and moved to Australia in 1996. I was 10 years old. So yeah, I grew up here up, up until I was 18 and then moved to the US when I was 18. I lived there for four years. Tell me about that. What, how did you end up in college ball? What was the transition? How did you just say, you know what, I'm going to pack my shit and I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to the US. Like what happened? Yeah, so when I was about probably about 14 years old, I started emerging as, as one of the best young players in, in Australia because I'm pretty tall. Like I'm, I'm six foot nine now, but I was, I think I must have been six foot five or something when I was 14. Like I was, I was just tall. <laughs> so uh, I started getting scouted by all the basketball scouts. So I started taking basketball very seriously and, and straight away it was my dream to play college basketball. Like everyone watching you know, college basketball, especially back then, it was a lot bigger than it is now, huge in TV. So I, when I was 17, I got a scholarship to the Australian Institute of Sport. And this was in 2004. And at that time, it's like the place you want to be at if you want to be a professional basketball player. And so we had a lot of college scouts come and watch us train at the AIS. I played for the under 17 Australia junior team as well and again more college scouts so yeah man i had a few choices to go to various division one schools and i ended up choosing Furman university in south carolina it was a really good sales pitch they put on me <laughs> <laughs> and yeah man i had an absolute blast it was yeah time of my life to be honest that's, that's awesome yeah, i've always i've always had this dream as well growing up watching those bloody college movies and stuff that come out of the u.s i think i don't know everyone's had went through that phase of oh that would be awesome so yeah. knowing someone that's actually done it, my, my cousin, I told you last time, my cousin yeah. actually went to play ball as well. But so anyway, you yeah. went there, you didn't have, I'm assuming that you had no idea that you were going to end up in the world of sales. Is that right? No, no, zero clue. So yeah. tell me about that. So you said you retired professional athlete. What? How old were you when you retired? I was about 24. So I, I, I 25, actually, I, I finished college. I got a professional gig in Greece. And after Greece, I played in Croatia and Macedonia. 
mm-hmm. over there because I used have a passport. So I was a local, which was great. But in Croatia, I, I hurt my knee. It was just an overuse injury, really. Cartilage tear. And I needed, it's a cutthroat world over there. I was injured. I, I was going to be out for 12 months. They pretty much cut me. And they were like, we can't pay you sitting on the bench. We're not a massive club. This was Rijeka, mate. <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not good to them, they're, they're not going to pay you. Which is fair enough. Nothing against them there. That's it's, it, that's the, the world. And came back home to Sydney, 25 years old, failed dream of trying to be. My dream was to, to try and play very high level in Europe, EuroLeague and, and all that. And moved back in with my parents, 12 months of rehabbing on my knee after surgery. I was like, I need a job. Great, let's get a job. What do I do? I typed into, I had a communication degree from college in the US. I typed into seek jobs for athletes. And all these like jobs popped up and seek like sports people, jobs for athletic people. I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah, let's apply for that. It's me. Apply for it, went to the interview. It was one of those charity sales jobs, like when you're on the street selling charity. It wasn't for me at the time. And I take my hat off to people that do that because that's so tough. I've met a lot of really great salespeople that come from that world, by the way. It was commission only. So no, it wasn't for me. So that 12 months during rehab and it ended up being a year and a half. I literally had no idea what to do. No clue. Applied for a lot of PR jobs because I have a communication degree. I wanted to work in PR. All I could get was internships. So it was just a... Meanwhile, meanwhile, a lot of my former you know, basketball teammates and peers are doing great things in Europe and NBL, some playing in the NBA. And here I am on the train living in Liverpool, going on a, a job <laughs> interview in bloody North Sydney. I'm like, fuck, what's my life gotten to, man? So it was, it was tough. So at this point, you're 24, 25. You've already had a career, right? You've had 10 years of, of playing playing basketball and then went up to the elite level of playing basketball. And now you're looking for your second career. At this point, people are coming out of university and still trying to figure it out. I wouldn't say you're far behind. I think you're well ahead, right? Having a career as a professional athlete, because going back to that point, there are certain skills you've taken away. There's that drive, there's that grit, there's that persistence, resilience of actually getting through the sport, the trainings and everything along with it. So when you got into sales, how do you think what are some of the transferable skills that you took from being a professional athlete? Yeah. I got into sales when I so my knee got better and I started playing semi-professionally. It was the best gig I could get. You don't get paid much, so I needed a full-time job. Long story short, the team hooked me up with an account management job, which is sales. I had no idea at the time, but sales with one of their sponsors. And I immediately just part of me was like okay my basketball I'm, I'm now like 26 right so my basketball career is not going to happen anymore at the elite level so let's focus really focus on this and I started really enjoying sales because of that you know, hunting and competitive nature and going after trying to win new business I started reading books about sales the company I worked for had a really good onboarding structure Southern Cross Asteria probably heard of a big big media company mm-hmm. their own tri- triple m today fm network mm-hmm. great coaching but the number one, and I started emerging as one of the better salespeople straight away, ended up winning like uh, top performer awards and all that stuff. And re- reason being is because of my resilience, I'd, I'd say. And my peers at the time, I'd have one-on-one with my sales manager and, and the peers, and they used to come up to me and be like, Alex, you're so resilient and diligent. I don't know how, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm like as clueless in the world of things. Sometimes I'm like, what exactly is, what do you mean resilient? What is that? And like, you get knocked back so much, but you just don't care. You just keep going until you win. 
I'm like, yeah, so what? That's my life. That's me. So it's I think, yeah, my, to, my it's resilience. nothing compared to tearing a ligament, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's nothing compared to, I didn't go into this story, but in between playing in Greece and Croatia, I was signed to play in Cyprus. I lasted there for a week and I got cut in Cyprus. And the coach said, look, Alex, we had you on for a week trial. We don't think you're right for us. Good luck. And I had, so I was in Cyprus. I had no job. I had no way of getting out of Cyprus because I had to book flights and all that. I had to get out of the apartment. Like they gave me two days. So then I remember I just went on the beach and I just sat on the beach overlooking the water and just going, I don't know, for whatever reason, it was like one of the most serene moments of my life. I had nothing. I'm stuck in Cyprus and I just sat there overlooking the beach. But I don't know, experiences like that just make you resilient. And I was like in sport, you lose a lot more than you win and you just get used to losing really that's it yeah and i think that's one of the biggest things they say about they say about salespeople getting into the industry because usually as you said they either start fundraising for charities or something that's like door knocking or cold calling and that's where there's a lot of rejection like on the phones trying to get someone to buy something without ever seeing your face or ever hearing about your company that's tough yeah. so i think resilience is key what else do you think is key what what are some of the traits you think are key for salespeople to have successful salespeople? Yeah. To to delve deeper into it, you have to be a good listener. You, you have to be able to ask the right questions from your prospects and like a detective probe for a problem or maybe an opportunity that you can uncover in their business and then slide your product or service in as a, as a solution. So it's you asking them the right questions for them to give you an answer that they need your product, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's. I always harp on about that when people turn around and say, oh, you've got the gift of the gab, you should be in sales, which is completely wrong. Yes, it's yes. not about talking. You're not trying to trick people into buying something. It's about listening. It's about really understanding their problems and then being able to tailor a solution to solve their problems and actually deliver some value. Because if you sell something and three or four months down the line, they're not getting any value, the customer's going to churn, right? You're going to get a bad review. You're going to get a bad name in the industry. And you don't want that happening. It's not worth the 10, 50, 100 grand or whatever you're going to make from that one customer. The more important thing is that, as you said, you become that detective and then follow on to become that trusted advisor, right? It's like another example I always give. It's like going to the doctor's. And telling the doctor, I've got a headache and he starts giving you medicine, cancer medication without asking you any questions around where have you been sitting on the chair for a while? Are you stressed from work? Are you dehydrated? There's a lot of questions that you need to ask first before offering anything. But yeah, what else do you think? That, that, then the to be able to have multiple of those conversations, I call them discovery calls where you're delving into the client's problems or and, and using your solution to fix the problem. You need to be able to get in front of the client first. So I'm talking like a holistic 360 sales here where you're generating leads, you're running the discovery meetings and you're closing the deals as well. The, the generating of the leads part is diligence, re resilience and diligence. You just have to keep going after it. I think re research as well. You have to be like, you're better off, let's call it trying to generate leads or let's call it cold calling, hunting for, for new business. You're better off going after 10 carefully researched businesses then 50 just gung-ho go for it call everybody i think it's it's a combination of being diligent and, and resilient and sticking to a process of going after leads 
Mm. And at the same time, being intelligent enough to, to research and be aware of, okay, are those leads actually good, good for me? And I think that comes with experience and a lot of research. Like it's the only way to find out is just do research into the companies you're trying to go after. And then what about coming in as a professional athlete? You probably didn't really understand how organizations function, company structures, org charts, things like that. So how did you go about ramping up on the whole business acumen side? And the reason why I'm asking is because I think that there are two fund there are definitely two fundamental things that we always look for when we're hiring salespeople, AEs, SDRs, or whoever. And those two things are business acumen and curiosity. There's there's a few other traits that, that we look for, but those are probably the two key ones. And business acumen is quite important, especially if you're going for an account exec or senior account exec. So how yeah. did you get yourself up to speed on that front? I'd say it's going through a lot of failure, like tr- trying things and, and not being good at it and then stepping back and understanding well, why wasn't I good at that and doing that a lot and then figuring out through, through experience, understanding, getting better commercial acumen. So what I mean by that, when, when I, and I, I didn't go into the, in, in between that period of a year and a half where I was going through my knee rehab and looking for jobs, I, I was probably fired about five times in different jobs and I probably quit jobs about three times. I did a lot of roles where I was there for three months. It was one of those cold calling roles, similar to charity sales. I worked for um, a company called Marcus Evans where um, we had to make 80 cold calls a day. And I had training for four hours. Okay, four hours of training. And it's great. You're on the sales floor now. Here's a phone and a laptop that you can use between four people. So you got to take goes on the laptop. And then you're literally just sitting on your phone and just cold calling for... And I did that for three months. <clears throat> Failed miserably. I was so bad at it. and But it was like the best sales school you could ever get like that just gave me more and more resilience and the reason i fail like a lot i don't want to say the word a lot of athletes everyone each to their own but i was pretty clueless coming out of basketball about the world of business and and life all i ever and that's my fault and this is why i try and teach other athletes to not do that but all i ever wanted to do was play basketball i thought i was going to play basketball till i was 99 when i was in college i just hang out with the basketball team Occasionally, I'd branch out, hang out with the football. I hang out with, with, with athletes only. I was in class in school, but I wasn't really mentally in class. So I was very commercially clueless when I came out of basketball. But I just threw myself in the deep end with roles. And I'm being completely honest here. I was one of those people that was probably good at interviewing for whatever reason, but I was actually pretty shit on the job initially when I came. Would I hire me as a 24-year-old? Absolutely not. So we, we look for that now. But so I threw myself in the deep end there with roles with minimal training and just failing and it wasn't until i landed the role with southern cross hysteria they had a really good three-month onboarding and training program for rookies and i learned so much there and my, my sales manager is who i work with now uh jo- joe anson man he's, he was incredible for instilling commercial awareness competence into me through our work with him for three years and, and that's where I got it. So it was just a mixture of failing, having a good manager, having a good manager, listening. I had the drive. I had the resilience. I had the want. I wanted to be successful. I was willing to run through a brick wall, but my commercial awareness was a two out of 10. And I, because I had the, the work ethic, I just kept doing and failing, kept doing and failing, kept doing and failing. And it just all came together eventually. There's only so much you can fail, right? <laughs> 
And you said, um, when you started talking just then, you said you try and teach athletes um, not to do what you did. So tell me a little bit about the recruitment company you're running now, Athlete to Business, and why is it different from other recruiters? So yeah, so Athlete to Business stemmed from my years in sales and noticing a lot of other athletes who were successful in sales. But I also noticed a lot of other athletes who struggled with that transition like I did as well. So I started the business to bridge that gap, essentially. So I started the business to raise awareness to the corporate sector of the potential that athletes can have in sales. And I also am raising awareness to athletes. Hey, guys and girls, there's this whole other career out there for you that you probably don't even know about. No one ever tells you about, but you can have a really successful career out of it. It's sales. And here's how it works. And then I would, this is at the junior level, obviously, I would connect businesses as a recruitment agency. We connect businesses with athletes who want to go into sales and want to be successful in sales. These SDR roles, junior BDM roles. But we also have a massive network of ex-athletes who are already high-performing sales professionals as well. So that's what our business is all about, is is basically getting athletes with with the athlete mindset and then we also have an internal check score that we, that we measure. I know we'll get into this, which is we measure people on their communication skills, humble confidence, emotional intelligence, and commercial awareness. And that's more at that mid to senior level as well. Before we, That's a really interesting one that I want to talk about. But before we dive into that, yeah. I want to understand, is there a, are there particular sports that produce better salespeople or ones who are more likely to be successful or the athletes function better in and consumer sales or b2b SaaS sales or is it just broadly sales or to tell me a little bit about that which sports yeah talk, talk to me a bit about the difference in sports and the salespeople they produce and also which type of sales they are good for we we haven't that's a really good question and we should run some data on this to get i want to give you evidence and concrete answer on that. So long story short, I don't have an answer. There isn't one particular sport where an athlete is doing, uh, athletes do well in sales and there isn't a particular industry that athletes do, do, do well in sales. Naturally, my network is within the media space and the tech space, a little bit in construction and engineering as well. E-commerce is an area that we've developed. It's just where we've developed networks of business relationships in and they're they want to hire athletes on their sales team, but we all, we see a lot of we see a lot of athletes in medical device sales, pharmaceutical sales, and uh, recruitment sector. The recruitment's pretty much a sales job. So there's a lot of athletes that that go into into recruitment as well. If I can pinpoint, pr- pr- probably for for us, the majority of where we place athletes into is in the technology space, into tech sales and recruitment. But in terms of actual sports they come from, when I initially started the business, it was very heavily skewed towards rugby mm. players, a rugby union. <clears throat> and that, that when I started business, that's just where my network happened to be. I was doing a lot of marketing and getting my name out there. And I just happened to meet a lot of rugby players who are quite well-educated, commercially competent. And that's just where my network. But now I've expanded. We, we work with football, round ball game, football, world game, <laughs> basketball players, Olympic athletes, tennis players, swimmers. I'm just trying to think. So yeah, it's a, it's a broad, we, we work with hockey players as well. You probably don't know this. There's a hockey league here in Australia. Mm-hmm. Hockey league. 
Mm-hmm. Mine, a friend of mine came from Canada, two brothers, and they were playing semi-pro and they jumped into the league in Melbourne. There you go. And damn, they're good, man. They, I was watching, they won the final, I think it was last year or the year before. And they had a proper video set up, commentary, everything. And it wasn't like, because I hadn't heard of it since uh, until they told me about it. And I was watching it and they are so good. Like the way they skate, the way they like, the, oh, it's insane. Anyway, yeah, sorry, yeah. go on. I went to a Sydney Bears game in in person. It was incredible. Imagine going to an NHL game. I've never been. I'd love to go now. I've been twice. Have you? Okay. I've been twice. I'm Unreal experience. I bet. Okay, yeah. diving in now. You mentioned earlier about Czech, C-H-E-C. What is Czech? So is this something that you've developed? Applications for the Techstars Tech Central Sydney Accelerator Class of 2024 are closing on the 22nd of May. I'm Kirsten Hunter, the Managing Director of Techstars Sydney, and I'm looking for diverse and unstoppable founders who are using technology to solve the world's biggest problems to join this Accelerator cohort. The 12 successful businesses will get access to our 13-week mentor-driven accelerator, $120,000 US investment, and access to the Techstars network for life. Head to our accelerator webpage to learn more and to apply. It is. We've coined the term in the help of people around us, my, my business coach as well. But there's what we've noticed with athletes is they have like me like it's told you like they just they want they'll run through a brick wall to be successful so they have that drive the resilience the discipline work ethic they're coachable as well right and most of a lot of them just supposedly the good team players so they have that innate those soft skills and drive what i've found i mentioned we have a massive network of ex-athletes who are successful in sales already and what i found there's a common skill set amongst those ones and also a common need from our clients when they are recruiting salespeople that we've summed up into check and check stands for communication skills humble confidence emotional intelligence and commercial awareness so when you get someone with that elite athlete mindset who scores we, we grade people out of five on all four of those for someone who's really good at check, 99% of the time, they turn out into an exceptional salesperson, business professional. That's that's weird. That's what we found is the key to, to, to a successful salesperson. So how do you evaluate communication skills? And I'm going to do this for each letter. So yeah, communication like skills, how do you evaluate that? Everything is gut feel with us. We don't have fancy systems and computer psychometric testing, et cetera. It's literally gut feel. And without saying arrogant, that gut feel has been pretty good so far. As the business grows, we may or we may not come up with some sort of computer algorithms and et cetera that, that check things. But we ask people questions. We talk to them. We, I get a sense for their communication skills and if they're going to fit in with the corporate sector, enterprise, medium, whatever it is, small to medium businesses, can they sell to C-suite executives? What are their communication skills like? So we ask a lot of questions and listen and see see what they're saying, how they're saying it. We're constantly judging people on how they connect words, their tone, energy, enthusiasm, and level of intellect when they speak. And... What do you think is more important, verbal or written communication skills? In or are they world, equally? It, I think communication. I think ver- verbal has a s- slight advantage still because 
written is still important as well because a lot like a lot of SDRs and I do I do my lead generation with the messaging first and emails first and you want to be professional on, on emails but once you get somebody on the phone or get in front of a client com- your verbal communication skills will close the deal not your written communication if you're exceptional at written communication skills you might generate leads but if you suck at verbal communication skills you'll probably never close the deal mm-hmm Makes yeah. sense. All right, like, next one. Yeah. Humble confidence. How do you test for humble confidence? It's one of the easier ones to test. Again, we ask a lot of questions and we listen to what they're saying. We and our clients, again, demand this a lot. You, you don't want someone arrogant. A lot of our clients, if I may say, you can bleep it out if you need, but we always get no dickhead policy. You know, we, like, we, we want no dickhead policy. So we test for arrogance. Test for arrogance. And with some athletes, they're arrogant. Not Ibrahimovic arrogant but <laughs> i find him funny man i find him comedic <laughs> yeah he's a good dude but we test for that but on the flip side you don't want someone too shy you don't want someone who lacks confidence and is scared in front of c-suite executives and etc cetera, et cetera. so you want somebody who is very humble but very confident so that's what we try and find that seems like a magical unicorn balance though i don't know (laughs) i know hence why the awesome thing with our business model is it's very very niche what we look for but the challenge with our business model is it's very very niche of yeah what what we look for yeah like i can give you a quick example the the other day i spoke to a a former athlete i won't say the sport just because they might but it was a former athlete and i was asking questions and he was saying things like I know if I get this job, I, know I just want, want to be in a role because I know I'll smash it. Wherever I go, I'm really good. Wherever I go, I'm the top performer. So yeah, just get me a role with a lot higher base salary because wherever where they put me, I'll, I'll smash it. Humble confidence, zero. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not putting that person forward. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then emotional intelligence. What is it and how do you test for it? It's interesting. I don't know how do you describe, how do you define emotional intelligence? Empathy is a big one. Knowing what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. Mm, And again, how to say it, I struggle with. (laughs) Yeah, I do sometimes as well. And we test for that again through just asking a lot of questions and, and listening to what they're saying. It could be little things like, I've got a meeting in five minutes, but blah, blah, blah. And then they, they keep talking or, Things like I'll ask a question and sometimes people beat around the bush or set up a story for a very long time and then answer the question. It's just answer the question. Mm-hmm. Be, be more efficient when you're beating around the bush and telling a story and then get to the actual question. I don't know. All, all part of emotional intelligence. And yeah, we sense it. I just sense it on the phone. Who's a bit better and who's not. And the last C, what was the last C? Commercial awareness. Commercial awareness. Okay. How do you test for that? Again, through asking a lot of questions. It's usually more around your sales process. Tell me how you go about generating leads. This is the company that I'm working with. How would you go about generating closing deals for for them? Getting an understanding of they know how to connect the dots to make a sale. They can see where the money is coming from and how the business generates revenue. Mm Mm-hmm. And can articulate that quite well. And and how long do you think, like how long would it take you to figure out a check score on average by talking to someone? So we 
Pro- probably an hour. An hour. Damn. I was going to say, let's do a live role play. What's my check score? <laughs> <laughs> you and I, mean, yeah, you're, you and I met in person the, the other week, and we've been chatting. You're through the roof when you your check score. <laughs> you're through the roof. You're probably yeah, teaching me on check. But, but we can usually, as a recruiter, you're busy and you're trying to find the best candidates for your clients. But sometimes we can tell within the first five minutes if someone's not, and then we can tell like, all right, this person's good. Yep, that's good. They score good there. Let's keep going. So we on average 45 minutes to an hour with, with someone who's got a lot of potential and we think they're really good to check. We'll spend that time with them to really get to know them, truly understand. Like for, for the commercial awareness, like a common question we ask is, and there's various different other examples. When you're walking down a grocery store and you go on down the aisle, what do you see? Shelves. Yeah. What People. else? People. Usually. It's, it's, a t- it's a tough question but like sometimes people will will, will blurt it out but the, the, the answer is leads <laughs> i would never have said that one. i know i i it was um it was a sales manager that asked me a long time ago and i said the same thing i said groceries i said products uh, and then when i said products he was like you're close i'm like chips cereal nah you're way off now uh, but leads because like <laughs> leads you can you can hit up it's always how it worked in the media space so um <laughs> <laughs> we ask certain questions like that just to see how their brain thinks. And tell me, so the, let's throw in some freebies out there for people looking to hire, mainly me because I'm hiring at the moment. So how do you <laughs> ha, ha, give us some tips for people and companies looking to hire salespeople? Because I personally think that it's one of the hardest roles to hire for because salespeople can be very charismatic. They can be very good at selling themselves. And unless you come from sales and you don't know how to dig into the results and get the right answers. It's very difficult hiring salespeople. So what are some things, I don't know if you can give us like top three or any sort of like guidance on what to look out for, what to consider or what to do when hiring salespeople, apart from call athlete to business. Yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I think it works that this is the other reason recruiting salespeople is so hard. Sometimes I actually find those that don't perform well in interviews and also sometimes those that maybe have not had great results in their previous job for whatever reason, they actually end up being really good salespeople for your company. So to, to add more recruiting salespeople is really hard. There's another one there for you because that's just that makes it <laughs> extra harder. Here's my advice. And here's how we do it. Also, you're more than welcome for everybody to do it. That I'm not giving away secrets here. It's hard to do this, hence why people use recruiters. But number one thing is, is headhunting. If you want to find the best sales person, you're most likely going to have to go headhunt somebody who's performing some, somewhere else or doing quite well. He's thinking about another opportunity, but they're not actively applying because they're doing okay here and they don't have time to be applying for jobs because they're trying to generate revenue for whatever business they're working with, paying the mortgage. I found in most instances, the best salespeople we find come from being headhunted as opposed to applying for jobs. It's like the way, the way you look at it, if let's say you're running a, a football team and you're like, all right, open tryouts this weekend. Do you, do you think Lionel Messi's rocking up to the open tryout? Yeah, I'm that's not, right. Yeah, I'm not saying get a Lionel Messi equivalent of sales, but that's the, the, what, what's going to happen. I love how you lose. I, I love how you use Messi instead of Ronaldo, a good man. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> you just won the World Cup player of the year. I think that arguments. So headhunting is the first thing. I'd say then we, we we go into the interview process 
And I would say for the first interview, just get to know him as a person. Try and leave the technicalities out as much as possible. Because keep in mind, people are nervous when they interview. And as I said, some people are really bad at interviewing. It just is what it is. And you might be nervous as well. I don't know. Like that's something when you're hiring for, for yourself. So just have a life discussion. Tell me about you. What do you like? Blah, blah, blah. Just get to know that. Like I'd say hire for culture. It's obvious. Hire for culture first and foremost. So the only way to do it is just to get to know the person. So just get to know them and have an, have a relaxed and open discussion and be like, does this person have good values? Do I want to work with this person? Can Are they a part of our company values? Just leave all the technicalities and all that out of it. Minimal. You can ask a few questions. You tell me about your role, why you look for new opportunities, blah, blah, blah. But 80% of that initial conversation should be just on a bit of a personal level and getting to know them. And then 20% should maybe be a bit of technicalities. And just gauge whether you want to chill. Could you have a beer with this person at a pub? Is essentially... Mm. It's I call it I call it the beer test or the wine test or fucking tea, coffee, whatever you flesh your boat. Because it is, I think that's probably one of the most important things, right? Cultural fit. If they're not a good cultural fit, it doesn't matter if they're an all-star performer. If they're not getting along with the team, if they're not getting along with management, if they're not gelling with the company, you're wasting your time. They're not going to be happy. You're not going to be happy. Exactly. And they're going to just create a bad culture amongst everybody else as well. Interesting. That's the last. So up until now, we've been running throughout our recruitment process. We've been running that as the last stage. Oh, okay. That's been the last stage. The first one's a deep dive into the CV. Second's a trait-based assessment. Third's a practical component. And then we do the cultural assessment at the end. So you reckon start with the cultural? Oh, yeah, a million percent. Yeah, don't waste your time. Don't get all the way to the end and then you find out the person's a serial killer. Or... <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'd start, I, I would start off with that first all right i'll start running that from now on we'll see how yeah. we go yeah and as you're speaking to them you still you're keeping an eye on i guess in that part you keep an eye mostly on that humble confidence emotional intelligence as well and communication mm. skills you're seeing how they're so you don't really get into the nitty-gritty of the commercial awareness yet but you, you're almost starting to tick the boxes of communication skills eq and, and humble confidence in that initial chat interesting any other tips Stage two is the technical part. Then you get get into the nitty gritty of tell me about your sales process. What do you know about us? How would you go about, what would you do in the first three to six months if you were in this role? Start getting into the technicalities of, of whatever they are, of, of the role, KPIs, delve into the numbers. That's it. The best salespeople, they know their numbers. And then I, I would do a third interview, which is a role play. See them live in action. How would they sell to you? And that's it. Cap, cap it at three. Don't do seven. Don't do one. I think three is the... The, the ideal number it's still very hard don't get me wrong it's still i struggle to find great salespeople myself sometimes it's not easy otherwise we'd all be millionaires right but that that's the best process i'd say so for the role play we had different role plays for different roles before like for an sdr bdr we used to get a discovery call role play happening or like a cold call and then for the account execs and up we would have a sales call or a presentation but recently we i decided that it is going to be one role play for all roles. And that's going to be a discovery call. Because me personally, I believe the discovery call is the one of, if not the most important part of an entire sales, sales process. Yeah. So what are your thoughts behind having a discovery call as the role play? Or do you think that it should be split up between presentation and email correspondence and things like that? So what is an all-star role play? Bang on, I agree with that. The discovery call is the most important part of the whole sales process because you can somewhat teach somebody on the on the lead generation 
you got to see their want and their desire. You you could run a role play for lead gen, and the, and the person could absolutely suck. And you can just say, hey, don't do that. Do this. Okay. Look, lead generation, like, let's be honest, it's emails and, and <clears throat> written communication skills, which you can coach people through. And then when you're picking up the phone and calling somebody, like you really, you've got like 20 seconds to, to gain interest. So you can teach that mostly. Discovery call is like you, you either have it or you don't, I think. Very hard to teach that because discovery call could go a thousand different ways, right? And depending on your questioning style and depending on the answers that, that they give you. I, I think, yeah, this discovery call is definitely the, the best way to, to run a, a mock role play. It's very hard to teach, but I've successfully taught. I've completely turned around someone's discovery call and probably one of my proudest moments. It's one of our account execs. Yes, when he started out and discovery was probably the, the absolute last thing he knew how to do but now oh my god what a gun absolute gun like that's awesome he will find out pain that you didn't even know you had <laughs> i'd love to delve into your discovery principles or oh, i don't want to teach it again that was, <laughs> that was a, a long process over a coffee or a beer. <laughs> awesome now i want to hear and i ask every single person that comes on this podcast how do you see the world of sales evolving now this could be the example I always give is, do you think we're, we're going to have that predictable revenue model going forward with SDRs feeding into account execs who feed into customer success and, and so on? Or do you think that now with technology coming out, with AI and all these other tools that are available, do you think that some roles are going to become obsolete? Or do you think the entire world of sales is going to change because now people have access to so much more information and like yeah. take this question wherever you want. You don't have to follow that line. Just take it wherever you want. I just want to hear your opinion on how do you see the world of sales evolving? It's interesting because I think the world of recruitment is evolving as well in a very similar way that where the sales function is being split into there's SDRs, there's account executives, uh, BDMs, whatever you call it. The, the world of recruitment is being, there's a trend going on now, recruitment 360, where you've gone after candidates you're managing the clients and then you're also going after new clients. Some companies are splitting that into three and they, you got a candidate manager. That's it. Someone who just speaks to candidates. Then you've got someone who's just an account manager, just looking after the clients that you already have. And then you've got someone who's a new business person going after you. So there's a thousand different ways. Is technology going to change things? I'm not sure. Some of the stuff I see in in, in AI and is, is incredible. But one thing... I'm not an expert in, in, in this thing, but I don't see, I think the, the biggest need and the biggest skill going forward that will never be changed for salespeople is that discovery call. I don't see how an AI can delve or a website or an automation can delve into the client's true problems or opportunities that arise. I think you need a human for that all the time. And I think that's going, that's the, going to be the most important skill going forward is helping providing a service solving problems is is going to be the most important element of sales that i think will never change Can, will will the sdr function be more automated probably like that already how, how well they do it i i don't know i personally don't like the automated stuff that i get in my inbox is that ever going to fix and change i don't know maybe i, I don't know closing closing the deal like once you've got all the information that you need as a buyer it's just like a yes or no the, so the, the presentation part 
you can yeah you can get a you can get a human to do it but could ai or some sort of automated process do it in the future potentially after the discovery call has been delved deeply into it i'm just i guess we're brainstorming here and just chewing the fat type of thing but i'm just thinking like all right hey we're doing a discovery call here do you have an hour Let, let's chat perfect so you do a discovery call great i've got all the information i need what i'll do next week you'll get a uh, you'll get a video presentation from my robot who'll sell the solution to you. <laughs> Everything's been talking about, boom, all you got to do is sign the deal. Is that okay? Yeah, perfect. But you can say that confidently. I always say presentations are sold in the discovery call. Like you should have all the information in the discovery call. It's like, okay, great. So Mr. Client, if we do X, Y, Z, and we come back with a budget of one, two, three, are you happy to go ahead with that? Like I always try and close in the discovery call. I'm not sure yet. Great. What's What can I help with? What's the... Mm not sure part, how do I turn this eight into a 10? And there's various different ways you can do that. And it sounds like you've got the magic pill for a bullet or whatever the question <laughs> there. But I think, yeah, the discovery call, I don't see how that will ever be lost in sales unless they make a freaking super EQ robot. Then we're all out of a job. <laughs> uh, that is a per perfect note to end on. And I'm so happy you said that. That just shows me that you guys do things differently at Athlete to Business. Discovery calls are number one. That is awesome. They are, man. They are. That's, yeah, you have to be good at discovery calls to, to be good in sales. Alex, tell us where people can find you if they want to get in touch. I'm on LinkedIn all day, every day. Azure content's king in my world as well. I post all the time. So if you want to be bombarded by <laughs> content such as what you and I spoke about today, world of sales, athletes in sales, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So just at Alex Opatrich, O-P-A-C-I-C. We're also on Instagram at athlete to business, athlete, the number two business. Our content's a bit different there, a bit more humorous and catering to the Instagram crowd. If you want to follow us there. So yeah, where you will, you'll find me mostly. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for taking the time and we're going to catch up for another drink soon, but I really appreciate it. I will push this to live. I will add your details down at the bottom as well. Get in touch with Alex and he does have some awesome educational content. He's not going to start spamming you about whether you need someone hired is genuinely good content. So Thanks. jump on LinkedIn, jump on Instagram, follow Alex, and we will chat to you in the next episode. 100%. Thanks, Mo. Appreciate it, man. Had a blast. One, two.